0: Welcome to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension beef educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to discuss an article that appeared in the December issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Get Perspective Before Deciding. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Alan Vanalek, who's a Nebraska Extension educator focused on farm and ranch transition as well as succession. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Well, Alan, in my mind, this is kind of the time of year when we see a lot of folks maybe begin to think about what's the relationship they have in terms of a landlord-tenant. Also, we see some estate planning being done this time of year. In this article, you highlight the importance of thinking through some decisions, getting all the information, taking a step back, and trying to put yourself in the other person's shoes as maybe you're looking at a situation, whether that be a rental arrangement or a farm business transition where maybe there's some tension around what things are happening or not happening. Give us some perspective. As you look at this, as you work with clients, what are some important things to remember and think through?
1: Yeah, at the very core of all this, uh, what tends to happen is that uh, there's either no information given or it's incomplete information given. It's, it's a bad communication system uh, being in place for these farm families or families that own farm ground. And so when you don't have proper information or you have incomplete information, then there becomes a level of, of uh, trust that gets eroded. And once you lose enough trust, you don't have a good relationship anymore. And then we, end up, then we end up with something like greed entering into the conversations or into our thought process. And greed's a terrible negative emotion that screws up everything. And uh, so you know, I always start with: Are we are having good communications about this back and forth? And the second part of it that goes right along with it, when we when we talk about what we're going to do with a farm in terms of rental agreements or estate planning, maybe the first conversation families need to have is: When we get done with this situation, we're going to have a family or not? I think that that's got to be done first. Make sure that everybody's committed to having the family first. I just talked with uh, someone yesterday. That was working through a family situation where they're working on farm estate planning. And, you know, they, they, she said, we our family has made the the commitment to have a family first, and that's making all the changes in the world. That helps our conversations a lot, because then people are thinking about the family first, how each other feels about it first, rather than themselves first, or any, any, any petty jealousies or any petty uh, greed that they'd have put in place. So let's have that conversation first, make sure everybody's, you know, in a good, in a good spot.
0: One of the other things you talk about in the article is just how sometimes we see transition of the older generation to the next generation off farm heirs. And in some cases, that older generation had a working relationship with someone leasing ground. Now there's a transition to the next generation. And all of a sudden, maybe we're looking at lease agreements again. And, and from a, cash perspective rental arrangement maybe it doesn't look quite right talk through with us just some things to make sure that if you're entering into a situation either from a landlord perspective or as a tenant that uh, you're trying to understand where the other person might be
1: yeah so it's very interesting to note that uh, I was working with this family here about 10 or 15 or 12 years ago now and and uh, in that part of the state I'll just tell the story and that illustrates the point I'm trying to make here. The, working with a family in one part of the state here, and in that part of the state where that was at, it was highly productive farm ground, and it was and it should have been renting at that time for about three hundred dollars an acre. The four kids had their parent pass away. The last parent passed away. Both parents are gone now. They're sitting down with the kids. With the four of them are sitting down with their brother. He's one of the four that uh, took over the farm farming operation, and the other three said, "You know, brother, we want you to stay on the farm. We're not going to sell the farm. We're willing to take our cash rental income from yours from our share each." Uh, How much are you paying Mom and Dad for cash rent? And he says I'm paying Mom and Dad sixty five dollars an acre. And since the going rate's three hundred dollars an acre, what does everyone jump? What conclusions the other three jump to? The other three jump to the conclusion that oh my gosh, the farming brothers taking advantage of Mom and Dad's estate, taking advantage of us. Uh, We should maybe even go back and charge back rent. Well, first of all, once rents pay, agreed to and paid for in a year, the contract's complete, and there's no such thing as back rent. But um, secondly, secondly, we have to understand that in many cases, and that's kind of a deal. I, by the way, I call that deal the sweetheart deal. But in, in many cases, the farmer off probably offered to pay their parents more, but the parents and, and simply decided they didn't need it or just didn't want it, and they just didn't ask for more. They never asked for more, so he's been paying this low rent for you know thirty, thirty-five years, something like that. So, but but let's examine that for a minute. At, at $300 an acre cash rent, you're paying 65. Before you jump to a conclusion that, that bad things are happening to the, your mom and dad's estate, let's ask more questions. So it's questions like, who's paying the taxes on this? At $65 an acre, I bet the farmer's paying the taxes on it, not the parents. At uh, $65 an acre, uh, who's taking care of uh, fences if there's a pasture there? Who's taking care of, taking care of volunteer tree work or fixing 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 excessive erosion in fields and covering all repair all of covering all repair costs of irrigation equipment or installing terraces other conservation structures probably the farmer is the, even though those are considered to be landowner expenses the farmer probably just took care of that because they just knew and who took care of the, if there's a house on the place who took care of the new roof the new windows deciding on the house rock the driveway maintain the rest of the farmstead painting buildings all those kind of things those are usually landowner expenses, but I, I would say that in case this case, uh, because the low rent being paid, he probably never turned a bill in the mom and dad. He just took care of all those things. And beyond the land, in many cases, that farmer and their spouse, because they're the local people that are there where the parents were at, Help their parents with all the end of life steps, which might include the daily tasks of delivering meals and groceries, assisted to get them to getting them to assisted living, get to the nursing home or the hospice, and all the medical came, all the medical appointments that come with all the end of life issues and all those end of life things that happen. And so, you know, I, I think that sometimes we have to explore the whole story before we jump to any conclusions about what's a good rent or what's a bad rent, based on what we think is a sweetheart deal. Maybe there maybe $65 an acre was plenty. And, and yet, one other observation quickly that the farmer and tenant or farmer or tenant has worked that property for dozens, if not, uh, you know, for 30, 40, 50 years. And they get very attached to it and they tend to view that as theirs and they tend to feel like they own it, but they forget it's a part of the whole estate or the fact that it's just plain rented property where the business agreement can be terminated. It's a business agreement. So Belt needs to understand that this happens because you're you're attached. And if I understand why the farmers are attached to that property, they're attached because of the sweat equity they put into it all those years. In many cases, they've done improvements and repairs and fixes on the property that they simply never reported to the landowner. And that's part of this incomplete or no information problem that we have that I described at the beginning of this conversation.
0: You know, the other thing you just brought up, Alan, that I think it's it's hard to measure, but you mentioned this feeling of ownership. And so whether it's a long-term pasture that someone's renting and they've controlled weeds, they've had a good grazing management plan in place. So the property, the ground, the soil is in better condition now than when they got it. And uh, it's hard to put a dollar value to that, but there's, as you said, a pride of ownership, a desire to make things better. And so when it comes to a place where they're maybe accused of having not done a good job, it's kind of a painful situation.
1: Absolutely, and, and they almost get indignant. In some cases, not all, but in some cases, the the the, the tenant then almost gets really uh, put off, indignant, upset that he's even being questioned about the work he's done there. And, uh, and 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 once that trust has been eroded, once that trust is gone, it's really hard to go back and go to the landowners and say, listen. I've done all these things. I've, I've you know, I've, I've taken care of the volunteer trees for you, even though I, in most cases, the trees are, volunteer trees are a landowner expense. I've taken care of the the, the the thistles. You don't have a noxious weed problem out here. I've taken care of those dang cedar trees. And I talked about trees already, but, but the point is I've done all these things to make sure that pasture pasture's in good shape. And I put a good fence out there, I've never overgrazed. And I've always pulled cattle if it's a real dry year and I've done all the things I'm supposed to do to make sure that pasture's in better shape. And now you're questioning what I've what I've done for you. I've put more into that pasture than you'll ever know. And but but that's part of that communication. He's just not they're not doing a good job of of uh, making sure that the tenant isn't doing a good job of making sure that landowners know what they're, what they're doing out there each and every year. That and that that needs to be communicated at the end of those leases when those rent payments are made. Go see that person and per- see those, those those landowners in person, if possible. And hand them a the check and say, okay, so I also did this and this and this and this and this. And what part of the pasture did I, I controlled weeds in? Uh, I did extra work out here in that part of the area and that sort of thing. So the landowner has an appreciation for the work that those people have done.
0: Alan, as we look at Nebraska, we look at the average age of producers and we look at the amount of farm and ranch ground that's going to transition in the next 10, 15 years. This whole communication thing, being able to work with folks, it just seems to me becomes more and more important as we go forward. As we see more and more, those of who are working the land don't actually own the land. Give some perspective on that.
1: Yeah, the priority here should be uh, the priority here, especially on a lease arrangement, is that we have written leases. A lot of people my age and older, uh, the older generation, my parents' generation, you know, just very were very animate that my word is my bond and my handshake is a deal and uh, the problem with that is that our generation also also held this information very tightly we didn't share it with anyone so my information is my information's only and i'm not sharing that with my neighbor because my neighbor doesn't need to know what i'm doing and we're, we just don't tell we just don't let anybody know. and my parents even the, the fact that you know my parents didn't even want to tell tell my aunt and uncle what their business was that, that was our business and our business only internal family communication But the problem is that that older generation takes that information with them to the grave or to hospice or whatever. And then they no longer tell the next generation what's going on out there. So without a written lease, without written documentation in place, the next generation is now all of a sudden thrust into into the role of being being the manager. And they don't have any idea what to do because nothing's ever been written down. And the parents never told them because that was their business and their business only. And, And I think we have to be really careful about that. I think we have to make sure the next generation knows exactly what's going on out there. Um, and and it can manage the next day if, if you happen to have a car accident, you're gone. You're terminated. You're, you have met your demise. And so I think that though, that I think that's the reason we want to have this good communication and get these things all laid out. Because uh, even though we don't ever plan to retire, uh, we're all going to have our demise someday. So what happens? What happens to our stuff? What happens to all these business arrangements when we're not here?
0: Anything else on this topic you think would be valuable as we point towards wrapping this up?
1: The other thing I would just throw in quick is is that if if somebody has an operation that they don't know who they're going to or land, that they don't know who they're going to get it to or or who's going to take over their operation. If they have a large enough operation that they want to keep it separate as its own operation, uh, they could consider contacting me because I'd love to talk to them about the Nebraska land link. Because the LandLink is trying to match up landowners with land seekers. And right now I have 160 land seekers and I have about 15 landowners. And so I'd love to match more landowners with more land seekers so we can make those matches and keep those operations going as their own separate operations. Because we got quite a number of young people that would love to either add acres to their own operation that they have, which is in the right location, or would like to start work on an operation as it works. As it, as it would work for them uh, positively. So yeah. Um, I think that's the other thing I would mention. Thanks
0: again for joining me today. Thanks. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for having me. So for more information on the article that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, you can find the article at the beef.unl.edu website. Again, if you have questions about farm and ranch business transition, I would encourage you to contact Alan Van Again, he's a Nebraska Extension educator.